This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. As a criminal, people think, like, he's just, like, wanting to beat up people and, like, do stuff to people. And I'm like, he has feelings. He gets sad. He gets emotional. If he was... A hardcore crazy person, um, he wouldn't be sending all these little lovey-dovey stuff. These are all the letters from 2010, 12, 13. So this just says, like, I love you um, with all my heart, princess. You are the most beautiful thing that has ever happened in my life. America's prisons are overflowing, but many who are kept behind bars are just children. Thousands of youths are tried as adults in the U.S. every year, and some are given life sentences in the country's harshest jails. Many then find themselves becoming victims of sexual violence and suicide. Authorities in western Pennsylvania have charged 11-year-old Jordan Brown as an adult. The boys will have one trial together in adult court. The length of his sentence is also the length of his life. They're not old enough to drive, drink, or vote, but in America, kids as young as seven years old can be tried as adults. Our mission at Death by Incarceration is to shed light on a system that viciously targets marginalized people. The United States is quickly moving back to the crime and punishment model that made us the most incarcerated country in the world. We feel our message and show are more important than ever. This country has a human rights crisis. It's not about politics, it's about what our moral obligations are to our fellow citizens and how we treat other human beings. In the words of the great Bell Hooks, for me, forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? During our first season, we realized that most of our conversations revolved around men, virtually ignoring the impact mass incarceration has on women and girls. Suave and I have interviewed over 20 women for our next series of episodes. We have some amazing stories to share and are proud of the work we've done to prepare for the next phase of our show. Over the past quarter century, there has been a profound change in the involvement of women within the criminal justice system. This is the result of more expansive law enforcement efforts stiffer drug sentencing laws, and post-conviction barriers to re-entry that uniquely affect women. The female incarcerated population stands over seven times higher than it did in 1980. More than 60% of women in state prisons have a child under the age of 18. This week, we welcome Christina Reyes. She's been an active advocate within the North Philadelphia community for over 18 years, focusing on a mission to impact impoverished communities by gaining economic self-sufficiency, training and education, and speaking out on ending death by incarceration for those serving a life sentence without parole. We encourage you to look into the term death by incarceration, to really look at what your states are doing to keep people in prison, essentially killing them without the death penalty.
my name is Christina. I'm currently fighting for my husband who's incarcerated. He's been incarcerated for, it'll be 24 years, December 23rd. I've been advocating, I've been working with CABI, the Coalition Against Death by Incarceration, straight ahead. I'm a Saw Law Project, and I'm just working towards bringing him home and bringing other people that are in his same situation home as well. His name is Matthew Garcia. Matthew is about to be 41 years old, and when he first got incarcerated, he was 18 years old. He's currently incarcerated for second degree, accomplice liability, and life without any parole. But do you believe your husband is coming home? Yes, I, b I believe he's definitely gonna come home. There's a lot of changes taking place in the state of Pennsylvania, and we're working on these bills and also just putting more more emphasis on the commutation process in Pennsylvania. I think that part of this has to be with making a movement and talking to more of the people in the community so that they can also be aware of what's taking place. I feel like we come from a community where a lot of people are unaware. Um, sometimes they don't have the tools or the education so that they can fight for their loved ones. And I feel like with Senator Street right now, he has this bill to try to bring some of our, our lifers back into their communities, which is SB 135. And we've been working hard to talk to the legislators, the senators, and talking to people in the community. So I definitely believe in him. I have faith and I have hope. So what, when you out there, cause you know, I stay out in the streets, going to a bunch of places, right? I don't see a whole bunch of Latinos, all Latinas, right? That's a rare thing to see when it comes in the movement to fight for parole's ability for life. But why do you think that all Latino people don't take an interest in this when these penitentiaries are full with Latinos? Well, personally, Louis, I was I was thinking the same thing when I first got into this movement and started becoming an advocate. I mean, before I even started discussing uh, prison reform, one of the things that I've been doing is working in my community, um, working with the people that I'm, I'm surrounding myself with every day. I, I come from North Philadelphia. I understand the struggle. And I feel like a lot of times too, when it comes to the Latinos, you know, this information isn't given out. And also with the organizations, I feel like when they're talking to lifers that are in these situations, they need to start more with within. There's also a language barrier. There's a lack of people knowing about these resources and these organizations that are fighting for people. So do you think that a lot, you know, I'm familiar with Cabby. I'm best friends with Celine, you know, um, like, but I do feel sometimes myself that when they refer to lifers, they're referring to, they make it a race then. And I'm not trying to single nobody out, but that's how I feel sometimes. I feel that sometimes they're just talking about the black man. You know, a lot of the time the Latinos and whites are left out that conversation. It's always black, 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 black. You know, and I feel some type of way as a former lifer, myself, as an advocate, that I go to these rallies and I'm like, what are we doing? We're talking about the black man, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But I feel that Latinos need to take the charge on that. I feel that Latinas need to be out there because we're talking about our brothers, we're talking about our sons, we're talking about our grandkids, our nephews, right? We're talking about a, a population of Latino lifers that has been forgotten. You know, I did a lot of advocacy work for Adolfo Carrillo, which was 
the first Latino commuted since 1954. And we, we advocated for him. And it took a Latina former state rep to advocate for him, for enable for him to get out. You know, so I wondered how you feel as a woman of color, Latina, out in the mix. How that make you feel when you go to these rallies and perhaps you only you probably the only Latina. Well, I definitely I definitely feel like there is there is a a big community of Latinos. I mean, there's so many of us. And I feel like if we can get together for various events, we should definitely be getting together to bring people home. And in regards to how I feel, you know, for me, it's kind of hard because I know living in this community, you know, our our population is affected by people going to prison a lot of times. And in what way the population, the, the community is affected? The way that it's affected is because we're we're living in this community and a lot of times these things are taking place. We see violence, we see mental health taking place, we see drugs in our community. Do you see anybody coming into our communities trying to book rehabilitation uh, places into place for these individuals to get some help? I feel like a lot of times we're already traumatized by all the things that take place in this environment that it makes us feel desensitized. And it's almost like normal. You walk into our areas and it's kind of like, okay, you hear a gunshot. You hear somebody fighting in the street. You know, it's a lot of violence taking place. But in terms of what you're saying, when I'm going into these groups, yes, I do want to see more Latinos get involved because you know what? It's a big percentage of Latinos, whether it's Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, and any other race that should be definitely having these conversations. And they should bring themselves to this table to have these, these topics be more broad so people are aware about what's taking place. I feel like, you know, with the the movement that was taking place with Black Lives Matter, that kind of pushed on to something else. But then I feel like, you know what, they got together and they raised a, a valid point about the injustices that were taking place. But I feel like us as Latinos need to come together, whether it's us having this conversation and a broader spectrum where we can get other leaders because that's something that I also feel like at times we're lacking in our communities is to have leaders and role models that are kind of showing the way. I mean, back in the day, you would see people, you know, the neighbors knew each other. They had conversations. They knew what was taking place with the kids. It was okay to tell someone else's kid, listen, you're not supposed to be doing that. And if you are, I'm going to tell your parents. And I feel like we need to go back to the mind frame of a village. It takes a village to raise a child. And if we can start with our youth, that's going to definitely help to, to prevent a lot of the violence that's taking place. If they start putting recreational centers where kids can do things and be proactive. And, you know, one of the things that Matthew is working on while he's incarcerated is the Real Rap program, which is restorative art and poetry program which is gonna be an outlet where they can do something positive a lot of times when we see people going into the the system you know they're already broken they don't have hope they don't know if they're gonna live or die you know is is the constant things that they're always seeing um you see a lot of single mothers you know and and, and the thing is it's a lifestyle in our community where people are thinking it's okay just to go to the corner, but you know why? Maybe if they give us jobs that are paying more money, that are more sufficient, so people could could live a lot better and be able to provide for their families. 
you know, right away they're thinking is bad, but they're not really thinking about the fact that, you know, they're affecting us. And this is something that's taking place. And, you know, one of the things on the news, they're talking about the violence increasing every day, but what are they doing to rehabilitate these communities where all this violence is plaguing? Well, I mean, you said a lot. And so one of the things that we've noticed is that, you know, it's not just that people aren't saying anything, there's no support system whatsoever. I mean, when people go, come from marginalized communities, specifically communities of color, you know, dealing with children who have parents that are incarcerated, you know, when Suave is wearing a shirt of a great organization that works with those, those individuals in Philadelphia, th those kind of programs don't get funded. You know, it's a very difficult uh, kind of program to get funded. But I think what, what you're talking about, you're onto something. And the idea that we as, as community members need to be involved with, you know, it does take a village. If we if we if we see a kid that's that's kind of getting out of out of line and, you know, acting in a way that's going to lead them down a, a path that's you know going to end in, in prison, it's you know, it's our responsibility as adults to get in there. And we've gotten a long way away from that, you know. So when you talk about the work you're doing, not just for for Matthew's case, but beyond, you know, how, how do you see this playing out? Like, what what can we do? What's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you for a call to action at the end of the show, but what, what can community members do to come together a little bit more? Well, I definitely think that we need to have this conversation, whether we're going to churches, whether we're going into the communities, whether we're going into the schools. Like I said, a lot of people are unaware. I, I started advocating for Matthew and it's been I would say a little over a year now and the thing was I came into a place where I was really just uneducated about how terrible this justice system is and through the the experience of hearing his stories hearing other people's stories and other advocates that are advocating for their family members and organizers it kind of just opened my eyes to everything that's taken place and I feel like you know a lot of times we voice certain certain topics that I feel like, okay, they're not that important. We're not voicing a topic of, of freeing our people because while they're locked up, it's almost like they're, they're still slaves. You know, these individuals, men and women, they're waking up, they have no peace of mind. People are still looking at these individuals just for what they were convicted of, not looking at their progression. They're not looking at the charity work, the donations, how they're trying to give back to their communities. And the thing is that because they have them so far away from even their communities, because what they try to do is they strip them from being near their families, being away from their, their uh, community. They're putting them somewhere where these the other people that they're going to in these counties don't even know the culture. So they're looking at us going into the system like we're aggressive, like we're you know, intense. No, this is how we're raised. I mean, we're passionate people. We're intense people. We know what we want to, but I just feel like they undermine a lot of our incarcerated loved ones all the time, not knowing how intelligent and brilliant and creative these individuals are. But I feel like we definitely need to have more conversations and we also need to have more positive outlets. And we need to let people know our incarcerated love, loved ones, you know, they're worth something and I think that's what people fail to forget like you know I don't want somebody looking at my loved one and kind of dismissing them because they're incarcerated um I don't want them to to be having to deal with racism or you know not being able to 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 really tell me how they feel because they're they're on a 15 minute conversation and everything is being recorded 
or you're in a, in a room with them in a visiting room and you can't even hug them and give them affection. So when they do come out into society, they don't even know how to deal with that because it's kind of like they're desensitizing our people and they're oppressing them. And they belong to someone, they, they belong to a family member who loves them, who cares about them. And again, one of the things that I wanna point out is that these individuals are also the same ones that are role models to other people that are coming into the system. And they're the, they're the ones they're teaching them, listen, when you go out into society, work on yourself, work on yourself while you're in here. You know, and the system too is, is, is so broken because they're warehousing the, these men and these women. So like you're in a population where you're trying to succeed, you're trying to do something and still and then you're being held back. So then when a person's going up for commutation and because they keep getting pushed back because they're lifers, it looks like they haven't been trying all this time, you know, and they, they need that in order for them to look like they, they've been doing different things because they want to do it, but they just keep pushing our people back. You know, I really, I really wish that Matt would call. Matthew's like on the phone. A... Yeah, can you yeah. put him in? Yeah, I'm gonna put him in. Listen, Matt, listen, Matt, I'm so proud that I'm talking to you, bro. I'm so proud of your transformation. I'm so proud of your environment, bro. And uh, I see that the conversations we had, you know, I, you know, I just feel like we had them conversations when we was in, on C Block. And you already know, bro, we're here, man, to try to support you in your, <laughs> in your mission, bro. man. So while we got you on the phone, right? Yes, we sir. want to, you know, at least tell our listeners, a nationwide audience, you know, how you feel of your wife being your biggest advocate? Well, first and foremost, um, it takes a certain type of breed of a human being to really understand struggle. Like I didn't have to teach my wife anything. This is an intangible attribute that's in her because she's been involved in community service. Prior to that, she's a mother of two young kings. She is a daughter of a king as well that was unfortunately murdered. A stepdaughter of another king that was unfortunately murdered. A wife to a husband that she known all my life. She knew me all my life. She know who I am. She know who you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to pretend to be. She understands the circumstances, kind of like changed me for the worse because of environmental things. She gets all that. However, again, she eloquated some things that, you know, I, I was getting emotional hearing her speak because, you know, you know, we live this, but to hear her sentiments out loud, you know, audibly and presenting it to you guys, I'm just so proud of her. I just want to put that out there. However, it's not easy. This is not easy by no stretch of the imagination. Love is certainly one of the navigating forces that guides us or whatever the case may be. And something deeper than that, it's just in her spirit. She's a warrior just like us. Wow, she understands it. I say this, bro, that you should be proud, right? Because we both knows, man, when we sit in them penitentiaries, right? How people fall off for my life. So to have someone to be your voice out here is special, right? 
And I just hope, bro, that you continue doing what you're doing, right? Because we we need you, first of all, we want you home. We need you in our community, right? We want you home and we need you in our community, right? Because I truly believe, right, that with some real dudes in our community, we could at least reach some of these young kids that can't understand it. They don't understand what a life sentence is, right? They don't understand what we do, you know, when we go into penitentiaries, what our mothers and sisters and wives got to go through when they come to them visiting room and they get turned away because they got a little rip on their shirt or the guard is up there hating on them. Oh, because they gave the wrong look to the wrong lieutenant, now they get turned away. These young kids don't Absolutely. understand it. We understand it. My brother, by all means, they become prisoners themselves. And everybody just vicariously living through the people you love. You understand when your folks hurt, you want to bring them soup when they sick. So um, our wives, our mothers, the, the women that are filling the visiting rooms up, because unfortunately it's not filled with men because the men have records or the men are the ones being visited. It's definitely heavy, but... Even from here, my brother, I dedicated my life to, you know, retribution to this struggle. And even from here, man, we just got one of my mentees a job yesterday that returned back to society. So we performing even from under these circumstances. And I do believe that we can reach our community in a better way. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of us are locked in prison because they understand that we are the missing men. Me and you know the story, the same story we was talking when we was down Greaterford, the same rhetoric that was being conveyed to the people out there in the world that the missing men is here. It's a lot of brothers, brilliant men like yourself, and I'm proud of you abundantly, Swive. I'm very proud of you, my brother, because for all the years you was inside, you could have went home and just lived your life, and it would have been nothing wrong with that because you deserved it. However, again, retribution to the struggle, because me and you have been through some life-altering experiences, and we know what it is to not have a big support team, a big foundation fighting for us, giving us a platform like you just provided right here for me and my amazing, beautiful queen, a platform to, to, to tell the truth and convey the message, I, I know we can change it. I'm changing it from behind these walls. I'm changing it here. So imagine if I had liberty at my disposal and young men I could look into their eyes and I could be chest to chest with and we're not talking to scare straight stuff. We're talking reality. We're giving them outlets like my wife said. Look at all the things that have been eradicated from our communities. No outlets for these brothers to invest time and energy with. No mentors that they could depend on and trust to really relay a good message to them, to give them something they could build upon, lay one brick upon their foundation. And I believe we can do that. I know we could do that. That's why it's important that these bills get signed, that our community, and you was right with what you were saying. I had that same inquisition myself. Why we don't have no Latinos really, you know, congregating and, 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 and collectively, you know, fighting for the men. And it's the same people that's continually having a platform and telling their story and we're not getting much done. when We're a lot more powerful and a lot more capable than Sweetheart, he's saying you know, something. Really establishing. We, we changing that narrative, right? Hey, Kevin. Kevin. 
Yes, sir. Do you realize that this is the only show in season two that have a male voice in it? Yes. <laughs> so it's like groundbreaking because <laughs> season two is dedicated to nothing but women's advocates and women's has been affected by the system. And yeah, but we make an exception with you, Matt. So oh, I'm grateful. You know, Thank you very much, okay. my brother. All the way, bro. So what we want to do, right, before before we continue with your wife, right, we want you to share some of your poetry with us. This poem right here, I would like to uh, share with you. It's called Hope. And that's something that I think that would be good to disseminate to your audience and to all these strong women that's listening in to have hope. So it's called Hope. Poetry a lecture, statement a sermon, expression a moral reflection. Are we daring and bold enough to believe and like Obama have the audacity of hope? Hope that we can together author brighter tomorrows even though today may be a little dreary. Hope that we can unite long enough to make change be more than an idea or an audacious ambition. Let's renovate, revise, improve, and re-ramp our spirits with not just the thought of possibilities, but the actual reality. Let us not be intimidated by the hardness and strength of steel, for all we have to do is break one link in the chain of oppression and the hardship is compromised. Let us live what we all have dreamed instead of repeated nightmares of what we all have lived. Let's honor our optimism with perseverance in our efforts. Let's act as we are family and not just colleagues in this service, this requirement, this responsibility of fighting these inequalities. Let us repudiate doubt, eradicate, remove it. Hope is a powerful weapon, beautiful people, yet only if we use it. Beautiful, sweetheart. Thank you. You're more than welcome. <laughs> and I know I know that this season is about women advocates, you know, advocating for their husbands, for their loved ones. But I feel like what keeps me inspired, what keeps me motivated is Matthew. And the best way for me to really understand everything that's taken place is because of Matthew, because he opened my eyes to a lot of different things that I've realized, you know, I didn't even know. Um, and I, I think that when I initially even wrote you guys, I talked about how I had my whole experience being a dual survivor. And, you know, at some point in my life, um, the person that murdered my stepfather, I had the opportunity to actually go to court and I seen him for the first time. And I feel like another thing with that is the whole experience of me knowing Matthew. I, I've known Matthew since he was, how are you, 15? I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was well, I was 14, he was 12. Yeah, so I knew Matthew before he got incarcerated, before he got into that situation. And one of the things that you talked about was our environments. You know, when we come from these environments, people don't realize the struggle that we go through, whether it's coming from a broken house, whether it's, you know, not being educated. That's why I feel like we need to go into our communities. We need to talk to our Latinos. We need to make that stuff bilingual so that they understand it in English and in Spanish. And we need to also give our people a little bit more confidence to let them know that they have a voice. All it starts with is one person, one leader, and somebody letting them know the truth to really open up their eyes. 
Because if you go into these jails, how many Latinos do you see? You see a whole bunch of us. And the thing is that instead of just having a conversation in a visiting room or a virtual room, we need to come together and have more conversations so that more people are on board with this. And it's not just, you know, Latinos feeling like they, they don't know even about some of the things that are taking place with the services. We need to inform them. You know, I really appreciate you having this platform because it gives people a different outlook and a different perspective and you're giving them knowledge that they're unaware of. You know, the same way that they can they can learn stuff on YouTube. You know, we need to put this on YouTube because it's happening so much in our community that I feel like sometimes our people are just looking at the wrong thing. They don't realize this right here affects everyone because this can happen to anyone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, we're just happy that you on because sometimes it's just hard for me as a Latino. You know, uh, I guess we have a platform that we can reach people across the country, right? But at the same time, uh, I feel that I have an obligation to my people in Philadelphia, especially people that have relatives in the prison system because I, I was in the prison system for 31 and a half years, right? And the only reason I'm out is because the Supreme Court uh, ruled Miller versus Alabama. I was a juvenile, or else I still would have been in the same situation. But it's troubling to me that Latinos are second in the state of Pennsylvania with life sentences. And people really don't care about it. You know, we don't hear about it. Our state legislators, the Hispanic ones, don't care about it. They don't even want to talk about that kind of stuff. You know, and it's troubling because I'm like, damn, what are we, the forgotten souls in the system? You know, is this always, and you know, and I used to do a lot of advocacy out there. I was involved with Cavi. I was involved with all these groups. You know why I stopped? Because I felt some type of way that everywhere, everywhere, and every, every time I go somewhere, I was the only Latinos. I was like a token. We need you to come in Hasbro and speak. I was like a token. You know, you only need me to do speeches because you know what comes with it. You know we got a platform, right? And I'm saying, nah, fuck that. You know, if Latinos are not being represented every day, I don't want to be part of it. Because I can sit in the comfort of my home in my studio and just record. You know, so when I see Latinos, <clears throat> all Latinas that out there in the movement, I want to support that because that's what I want to see. I feel comfortable advocating for my Latino people. You know, and Kevin know this, we talk about this. I don't care what we talk about. It's always about the black man is going through the struggle. Black kids are being left fatherless. How about the Latinos? You know, and the other thing that I'm tired of is being lumpsided with everybody else. We have our own special needs. 
we have our own culture. We have our own identity. You know, when I came home, the first day I came home, I was asked, which school do you want to speak in? And, and guess which school I chose? I spoke at Esperanza. Why? Because, because I live down the block from Esperanza. I live on 7th Street. You know, so to me, that's the community I'm coming back to. That's the community that I believe I harmed with my offense. So that's the community I need to go back and apologize. What the heck I'm gonna go to South Philly and apologize to somebody down there? No disrespect to nobody, I ain't from South Philly, from North Philly. You know, so I wanna see more Latinas. I wanna see more Hispanic. I don't care if you're Dominican, Mexican, whatever. I wanna see more people that represent the brothers, the population that we got inside on prison walls. Cause we only talking to Mateo today. I call him Mateo and I always did that. Sorry, Matt. That was just something I used to call him in there, right? However, but he's a representation of what's going on in them prisons. You know, he's only one, but there's hundreds of Latinos in there with life centers. They probably never gonna see the day of the life because their family don't understand what a life sentence is. So for those that don't understand, a life sentence is to you die, if you come home with a tag on your toe. Don't get fooled because we got a lieutenant governor that's allowing people to come out. That party's over. He's ready to run for, for United States Senate. The next person, we don't know what's gonna happen. We really don't. I heard he's trying to run for governor. So, so what I'm saying, there's still a life sentence in them jails. Let, let's not fall asleep. The lieutenant governor's letting people out. Just because they have laid out 22 people, don't change nothing. We got thousands. We got close to 5,000 lifers. So 22 people is not even 1% of that. So we still need to do our job. You know, and I'm gonna tell you in the language, right? that Matt used to tell me when I was in prison. You got to get up in the morning and do them push-ups. You got to no, get no. up in the morning and do them pull-ups. You got to get up in the morning and stay in shape. Because if you don't, you probably going to die in here. I'm saying that to the people. If you don't get up in the morning and advocate for your loved one, they will die in prison. No doubt. It's Period. the truth. It's the truth. They and will I feel die in prison. They will get abused in prison. They would get put in solitary confinement for years and you would never know about it. So the right thing to do, if you don't know what to do, contact Christina, you know, get involved. See how you could get involved. There's no excuse right now. There's no excuse. The same way we filled up Marshall Street when they had them Puerto Rican parade parties, that's the same way you should fill up them town hall meetings when it comes to your loved ones, period. Definitely. Don't call, me, don't call me a Kevin crying. Tell me, I need you to tell my son's story. What are you doing to tell his story? Exactly. Are you advocating for home? Because I'm not going to advocate for home. If you not. Definitely. We got cases like that. You know, and I, and I don't mean to be hard on my community, but it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, if you could do it, they could do it.
Tyler told me about her relationship. I remember the first time that you told me that uh, he was locked up. I went to work and I was like, Alyssa, Eric got locked up. And I was like, oh my God, why? She was like very shocked. I was so shocked. And then when I found out the reason that he had gotten locked up, I was even more surprised. Gonna be out in four months? Four months, are you excited? Obviously he's been in there for almost 13 years and he has missed out a lot. He's missed out his whole 20s, like the funnest years. Like drinking, partying, being able to go to the club, just everything. He doesn't even probably know what a, like, a touchscreen phone is. He's not gonna know what apps are. <laughs> That's true. Definitely. And I think, too, something that you pushed on is even with our legislators, you know, a lot of times I'm going into these meetings and this was all brand new to me. But, you know, I'm going in there with the mindset of you guys have a job and you guys have an obligation and I need to direct all the needs that are taking place in my community that we need. We need some type of change. We need you guys to be aware that you know, our families have been locked away. They're confined. They're being oppressed, you know, and you guys need to be made aware of this. You know, even sometimes we're educating them. And, you know, like you said, our people definitely need to be more educated and they need to be on board with this because, like I said, it's affecting us all. You know, when you have a family or you have a family member, a friend, whoever, that's in prison and they're serving a life sentence. Like you said, you don't know what's gonna take place. You know, you don't know how they're coming home, but if you love that person, you should definitely fight for them. And if you don't know how to fight or advocate, then, you know, reach out to us, reach out to us. So that way we can connect you with someone and you guys can start gaining those skills. Because for me, when I'm having these conversations, the, the one thing that is in the back of my head is, this is his life. This is his life. I'm listening to his story. I'm hearing the people in the background screaming. You know, there was a, a situation where I was contacting the facility and they're like, okay, almost like I'm doing time. Yeah, I am doing time. I'm doing time with him every day until he comes home. And I think people fail to realize the families are going through it. The families are not with their loved ones, you know, it doesn't benefit to keep anyone in the system except for the people that are invested in the system because when you look at it, it's also about money. And that's what people don't know. And that's why I feel like it's so important to be educated. I don't wanna have my loved one be incarcerated forever and not be making a stance to get that person home. I'm not okay with it. I don't sleep at night thinking about that because you know what? He's over there and he has no peace. Does that make me feel like I have peace? No, I don't. I don't feel complete. And and the thing is that to know a person is being oppressed, you talked about solitary confinement. They could have an individual in solitary confinement for five, 15 years. What do you think that does to a person, whether it has to do with their mental health, whether it has to do with their appearance? Someone being told that they could only take a, a bath three times out of the week can barely have communication with their families. How do people think that affects them? Or being treated like an animal, being walked around with a scissor, you know, that that's the thing. We're talking about care, custody, and control. 
where's the lack of there's no care so it's a lack of care that takes place in these facilities and then the thing is like i said they put them so far away you're four hours away six hours away how are you getting there how are you you know seeing that person's face and what's going on i mean a conversation they can tell you whatever over the telephone but that eye contact that hug that affection you know during covid that's another thing you know I was advocating hard for that because we had our incarcerated loved ones in a cell 23 hours a day. It was bad enough we were locked in our houses, but at least we got to sit on the porch and sit on the step and get some fresh air. Do you think that they had mental health specialists going around, you know, seeing how they were doing? Do you see uh, these individuals are eating in their cell, toilets overflowing? You have facilities where the water is is dirty and it's okay for our loved ones to, to tolerate that, to drink that water, to bathe in that water, knowing it's gonna give a person a rash. Why? Because they're incarcerated. They don't deserve to be treated as humans. You know, right now they have this special project taking place. It's a, a Scandinavian project. And I really um, like the fact that they're instituting that into one of the uh, facilities over at Chester. You know, we gotta realize that we keep treating people, hurt people, hurt people, that's that's one. But if we're treating people inhumane, who's worse, us or them? You know, just yesterday, I was watching a, a video of something that took place at CFCF, you know, where this man is on the phone, okay? First of all, they're beating on them. That's one, That's that's just taking place a lot. They're not allowing them to bathe. They're not allowed to talk to their families. They're oppressing them on top of oppression. It's almost like it's worse than solitary confinement. You know, people were getting sick. They didn't even know where, where their loved ones were. You know, that does things not only to them, but to us. And and just in watching that video that I was I was referring to, you know, you see these guards beating up on this man, you know, just taking advantage because it's not just one person, it's not two people, it's not three, it's like four or five. Someone else gets into the mix that's also incarcerated to help stop that. But the thing is, you guys are keeping an animal like chained in and poking at them, poking at them, poking at them every day. Eventually they're gonna wild out. But if you treat a person with kindness, with respect, giving them some type of integrity, they're not going to act that way. They're not going to act right. that way at all. Kevin, I see you shaking your head. Come on, Kev. Yeah, I mean, this is all exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about, you know, and I think we've gotten to the point in this country where it's just there's not any middle ground. It's just like punishment, <laughs> you know, or people are like, you just want to let everybody out. And Suave and I both have talked about this. That is not the point of reform. I think the system needs to be taken down to its studs and rebuilt. It's my personal opinion, but that doesn't mean I want every single person out of prison. I mean, that'd be crazy, you know? So I just want to be clear that what you're talking about is, is completely common sense change to the system. This isn't an extreme idea. Extreme, extreme ideas are life without parole. That's extreme. Extreme ideas are treating people differently because of the color is of their Matt skin. Is Matt doing the phone? Extreme. Yes. Hey Matt, yes, how old was you? How old was you when you got incarcerated? 
Yeah, I was um I was 18 years old for th- for three and a half weeks. I'm arrested for second degree murder, accomplice liability, meaning I had no gun, had no knowledge of somebody being murdered, yet I have a life sentence and I'm going on 24 years in. And the reason I ask that question is, right, because the Supreme Court said that no juvenile under the age of 18, right, uh, should be incarcerated for life. Now, we're talking about three weeks. Three weeks. Do you think this man's mind developed in three weeks into this grown-ass adult, right, that he deserve a life sentence? Hell no. Hell no. And, and, and we talked weeks. about that. We talked you know, we about, about that. Weeks. This is the same thing that prompted Chicago to allow guys 21 out. Well, a Washington state just um, instituted to the age of 20. Connecticut just instituted to the age of 20. And the science with Ruben Gore and Dr. Lawrence Steinberg actually said to the age of 25. This is what was being instituted in Ropers versus Simmons that got all the brothers off of death row. Then Miller versus Alabama was got you uh, suavemente liberated. However, the science said up to the age of 25, these people just said to the age of 17. So when you're saying the three weeks into the 18, we can start even talking years. Come on, man, listen, I've been in prison. I was in prison for 31 years, right? And my mind really didn't develop till I had 10 years in or more. That's when I really started understanding what I was facing. You know, so we saying that to say, man, that America thinks that by incarcerating their way out of a problem and locking people away, that crime is going to reduce. Ain't yeah. nothing changed, bro. Ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing changed, America. You know, we talking about a kid, right? And I asked that question because a lot of people don't know. There's a short film out there called The Good Land that featured Mr. Mateo Garcia in it. Right? And I say that because people always equate our crime to where we come from. Yeah, we in North Philly. Yeah, we in the Badlands. But within that community, there is some good. And if you see that film, you know what you're going to see? An innocent child enjoying the good of that community. Definitely. And um, I agree with what you're saying, too, because we're looking at that age and I, I think people fail to remember that between 18 to 25 you know you're very impulsive you know you don't fear much and you don't really know what the hell is going on and then if you coming from a broken home you don't got no support that happens so easily um it happened in matthew's situation i i got neighbors that that happened to to her you know she has two boys and you know, her son is, is incarcerated. It happened to a cousin of mine who was serving a life sentence and just got released because of that youth resentencing law. And even the person that got resentenced in the case of my stepfather, you know, he got resentenced after 28 years. And although I, I had resentment for some time, when I knew that he was doing something positive and he was progressing, and the fact that I even got a chance to hear his background a little bit, you know, it made me have more empathy towards this individual because at least he wasn't just in jail 
and not doing anything productive and not trying to give back to his community and not working on himself. He was actually doing something. And even in that situation, I thought about Matthew. I thought about Matthew because I said, especially with our young men and our Latinos in this community, it is so easy for them to be influenced into doing these things because they don't have a choice and they don't have an outlet. And you know, that's the problem. That's why I said we need to rehabilitate our communities by bringing things that are gonna be productive and uh, allow these people to have an outlet for a lot of their hurt have an outlet so that they can get the proper mental health because while you're at home and things are taking place, we we fail to, to think about the fact that that's affecting them in their every day. You know, we talk about soda taxes. What's going on with the education? We still see that some of these schools aren't performing at the level that they need to perform in. Why aren't we bringing people back into the schools to have these conversations? You know, you talked about going into the school and talking to the students about, you know, how you changed and the things that you're doing, you know, but we got to start planting seeds. We got to start planting seeds in our community. And I think that, like I said, we lack a lot of leaders, but if we have leaders like yourself, like myself, you know, and other people from these advocacy groups talking and trying to be a part of their communities because you can't forget where you, you came from at all. I don't forget where I came from because the struggle is real and you have to humble yourself. If I never went through half of the experiences I've gone through, I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't be able to fight as hard as I am today. But they, they, they speak, they only speak on behalf of the worst case scenario that the, 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 the mistake. But when people start hearing stories of, of, of the upbringing of the, the 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 drugs, the the violence, the domestic abuse, all these different crucibles young Latinos, young men are facing in our neighborhoods. The the, the narrative it changes dramatically. They always promoting the worst case scenario, the worst situation, which was a mistake. The, when we're fallible, when everybody is fallible, all human beings. And now a lot of people is being promised out there when this $2 billion budget is being, um, um, you know, uh, enforced on the taxpayers for the Department of Corrections, that it's a rehabilitative thing, not for no lifers. We're being warehoused. You're not but getting no treatment thing, or no education opportunities unless you go above and beyond what's at your disposal, unless you wiggle. And the exceptions is the swabs and a lot of other beautiful men that you look at what's really transpiring. Even if you don't agree with the message of the brothers that's running the other organizations, they all were lifers. Why are these brothers such assets to the community? Why is the Salim in, in position? Matthew, he's Why saying something. Why come home and have a podcast? Why is Ghani out there with organizations? Why is Bobby Harris spirating certain things? Because we got something to offer. And if the civilians of the community, the inhabitants of our areas will learn about this because they're not educated that these brothers are published authors, these brothers are, are have college um, certificates and et cetera as far as education is concerned, that these brothers is mentoring. For instance, I used to be at Suave's door every day. That's hey, right. Bro, but I need some help. What should I do? I need some Matthew, he's saying something. I need some help. And he was there for and me. You know and like I said, right, 
when I found out, when I seen the email and she told me your name, I was like, oh, that's Mateo, right? Yeah. This is the thing, right? This is the thing, right, that I want our listeners to understand. Denying anyone the right to redemption is an unconstitutional act. Absolutely. Period. Period. You know, so we thank you for being the whole hour with us, Matt. You broke grounds. You will be the first male in our season dedicated to woman, right? And before we go, Christina, we want you to give out the call of action. We always do a call of action, right? What is your call of action to our community? My call of action is for people to get more involved. I want them to talk to their legislators so that way they can hear from their constituents. I wanna, I wanna see this bill get passed for SB 135 and SB 835. And if you don't know about it, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to Suave. Because the thing is this, when we talk into these legislators, they wanna hear from our people. They wanna know that you wanna see this change. They wanna be influenced by you, by your story. And I think the only way for us to do that is to, to come together and have these conversations because at the end of the day, we gotta remember we're the ones that are voting them to sit in that chair and to make these bills take place. And, and the thing is we need to be informed because it's gonna affect us, it's gonna affect you, it's gonna affect your child. So again, let's get up, let's get out there and let's you know let our voices be heard, especially our Latinos. And today, Y'all heard many issues on death by incarceration season two. And, you know, y'all could equate it to the system, but it's deeper than that. This is a love story, right? <laughs> of two people that love each other since one was 12 and the other one was 14. You know, there's a lot of stories out there. There's a lot of people say, oh, a woman is not gonna wait for a man 20, 25 years. This is a love story that people should look at and mimic, right? Because when there's love that's unbreakable, what you get is an advocate that's gonna die advocating for your freedom. This is a love story of a man named Matt Garcia and Christina Regis, right? They are far apart, but yet they're so close, right? That they're sending a message to the community that if you don't get up and advocate for your loved one, how the heck you gonna say you love them? And we're setting uh -huh. the example too. Don't get that. Uh -huh. Yeah, make this sure you add that there. So we got a married man as a host. I got a host, co-host that's a married man. Give us your twist, Cap, <laughs> on this wonderful yeah. love story. Well, I mean, I think it's amazing that you two can stick it out on both sides of the story, right? It's hard when you're incarcerated to to continue to keep that close contact and and also the stresses that are put on you on both sides. I mean, the system does not make it easy to to communicate, to visit, to you know, and and they do everything they can to isolate the person that's incarcerated. So you know, it's hard enough to get time with my wife when we live together you know i can't imagine what it's like having to go in and do this you know in a prison so you know hats off to both of you it's it's amazing and it's obvious that you care deeply for each other and you know our hope is that Matthew and comes whatever home. we could do on death by incarceration what i would like to do matthew is bring you back 
and just read some of your poetry and some of our episodes, you know, uh, and, and you know, and just put it out there and see what happens. Um, I think Kevin know a couple of publishers out there that publish work from people in the inside. I think I think your work is that good to get published by a well-respected publisher where you could make a little bit of bread and probably help your situation. Because we all know that the struggle and, and, and the struggle to get out of jail with a license is you need money to get lawyers and investigators. We I all definitely know. appreciate it. And I'm so proud of I mean, all of you. And baby, I, I love mean, we you. Can, we can talk about it and, <laughs> and, so. and play around with the idea. But at the end of the day, man, I want you to know, man, that I haven't forgotten about nobody in the prison system. When we started this show, Kevin could tell you, what's the first thing I said, Kevin? At least five stories an episode have to be from PA. Yeah, you know, out of Philly. And 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 yep. I stand by that be from Philly. because I believe that PA is one of the states that's far behind in treating our life as fair. Thank you so much for listening. Please support us on Patreon at Death by Incarceration Podcast. Hit that follow button on all platforms. Share with a friend or 10. Follow us on social media at Death by Incarceration on Instagram, at DB Incarceration on Twitter, at DBI underscore podcast on TikTok. For all booking and media requests, please email Kevin at Death by Incarceration Podcast.com. Death by Incarceration is a production of DBI Media LLC, produced and written by Suave Gonzalez and Kevin McCracken, editing by Jason Usry. Thanks to Crawl Space Media and Glassbox Media for being our partners. Please listen to our other shows, Injustice with Lisa Spees and Spencer Daniels, and watch for our upcoming special on the Camp Hill Riot of 1989. Special thanks to Checker for all their support of the show and to Kevin and Suave individually. We really appreciate it. Have a great week, everyone. And please, if you can, take action. Box Media Podcast.